You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. We started this morning by reading that we are to worship God in the beauty of His holiness. That is a special grace given to those who've accepted what Christ has done on the cross. To be able to worship God in the beauty of holiness. The Bible says that for us to be able to enter into the holy of holies is by the blood of Jesus. It means there's a sacrifice that's been made. We experience the Holy Spirit today and people say, Holy Spirit, come. But for the Holy Spirit to be here today, it cost Jesus Christ his life. Cost Jesus Christ his life. The gift of the Holy Spirit is free, but it's not cheap. It's not cheap. In the household of Christ, in the 16 years of the church, I think I've not preached more than 16 times on finances and giving. This week, God challenged me. And he said, you're going into the new building. I've given you a word, a promise, where I said, whether by many or by few, I'm going to do it. But the essence of true worship, there's always an element of sacrifice involved. And the Lord challenged me and said, you are going into the new building. That which you've committed, the sacrifice that you said you're going to make, have you done it? said, wow, Lord, I just want to get into the building, please. <laughs> Have you felt like that? Because when it comes to worshiping God in spirit and in truth, the Bible talks about the sacrifice of praise. The Lord said, what is the thing that you value most? Because remember, the thing that you worship, you'll become like it. If you be worship God in spirit and in truth, You'll become more like God. Loving God, loving people. But if there's something else going on in your heart that you place more value upon, be careful because God can give you over to that thing. You'll become like the thing you value most. Why? Because the Bible says in Genesis 8.22, From the beginning, seed time and harvest. If that's the kind of seeds that you are planting, why are you surprised if you have that kind of a harvest? Do you love God? Do you love God above all? If you love God above all, God will be the one dominating and ruling your heart. If you love God above all, you'll forgive when people offend you, when people hurt you, when people disappoint you. Because you know those with a pure heart will see God. But it's when people value other things more than God and something else sits upon the throne, then that thing will rule, control, and dominate you. And here we preach salvation more than money. Because the gospel is the power unto salvation, not unto money. But sometimes people find themselves, when they've been liberated, 
They start using their liberty as an opportunity for the flesh and not doing things that please God. Do you love God? When I ask the question, do you love God, it's a, it's a question about self-examination. Do you love God and do you love people? And you have to look inwardly to see. Because I can come here and I can say, good morning, good to see you. And I'm smiling with my mouth. But in my heart I'm saying, hmm, why is he in church? And I say, hello, so good to see you. Hmm, she was going to cut me off. She must repent. Hello, so good to see you. Thinking, huh, she shouldn't even be in church. I know what she did. And God looks at your heart. Outwardly, you can appear like a Christian. You can be in church and you can lift your hands and you can worship. Remember, the Bible teaches that, that Samson, Samson, the presence of the Lord had departed from him and he did not even know it. Because of his disobedience. It means in church, he was doing the can-can. This is the day, this is the day that the... Oh, look, the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. No, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And he did not even know it. And people want their lives to change. People are seeking for change. Looking for healing, looking for deliverance, looking for breakthrough. Most people are seeking financial breakthrough. To be debt free. Pay school fees. Send a child to university. Buy a car. Buy a house. And they are in need of money. But if money is the thing ruling your heart, and your heart is just full of money, it's very easy to deceive you. Because if you're comparing yourself to your friend, to your neighbor, to your colleague, and you want what they want, and greed is dominating your heart, it's very easy to deceive you. Listen to me. I'm helping you now. What do we pray? We pray, Holy Spirit of self-control, forgive my greed. There can be no real Love without giving. And that's how the devil takes advantage of many people. God so loved the world that he gave. Galatians says through love serve one another. Don't serve because you want to show your love. First love, then you serve. God first loved us, then he gave. John 17, Jesus praying to his disciples. John 17, verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Family, listen to me. True worship, in essence, lies giving God that which your life depends upon. That which is most precious to you, giving that. Jesus said here, as the Father have sent me, I'm sending you. My Father sent me to this earth to be a problem solver. To be a solution to people with challenges. He has anointed me for a purpose. To set the captives free. To heal the brokenhearted, To preach a message that will liberate people. He says, I've sent you. Paul had a revelation. Remember, Paul on the way to Damascus. What did Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul! 
Why are you persecuting me? He said, Lord, I'm not persecuting you. I'm killing these bad Christians. He says, no, you are busy persecuting me. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, if you give somebody a cup of water, it's as good as giving a cup of water to me. He said to Paul, if you are persecuting people, Christians, it's as good as persecuting me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When you were thirsty, you gave me water. When I needed to be clothed, you clothed me. They said, where did we do that? said, when you do that to the least, you are busy doing it to me. Most people today, they just want to give and help people that can help them. Let me help you because I know you'll help me. Jesus said, no, it doesn't work like that. Those without a voice, help them. Those who cannot speak up for themselves, help them. That's why we're opening up the special needs classroom. So that we can be a voice to the voiceless. Be a solution to those with a serious challenge. Amen? Amen. Try and lift a little bit of that burden. Because when we lift that burden, we're lifting a burden of Jesus. Do you believe God has sent you? And a matter of fact, this whole John 17, if you go read it, if you read through the whole Bible, God says, don't touch my glory. He says, don't touch my glory. Doesn't be, don't touch my glory. Jesus here, when he was praying, he said, Father, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. So that the world will believe that I've sent them. He said, Father, as I'm in you, they are in me. You know what that means? Nothing can separate you from God. So when we are led by the Holy Spirit, we are here to make a difference. Amen? Do you want to change your future? Change the kind of seeds that you've been planting. Change the kinds of seeds that you've been planting. From the beginning, Genesis 8.22, seed time and harvest will never cease. So if you need more friends, you become a friend. If you need more smiles in your life, start to smile more. God says it's very simple. That which you make happen for other people, I will make those things happen for you. But most people sit here and they say, Oh Lord, just make it happen for me. Send somebody to help me. And they don't realize what God has given them is enough to bring change in their own lives. You have something that you can give. Amen? You claim you love God. Why do you still hold on to that offense in your heart? You want that breakthrough. Why haven't you forgiven as Christ has forgiven you? All that you are doing, you are planting seeds of bitterness, of unforgiveness, of resentment. And those things will start to grow. The Bible refers to the root of bitterness. The root of bitterness. What does that mean? It means you've nurtured offense. You've nurtured unforgiveness, and that seed of unforgiveness has now formed a root. And when that root starts to grow, it's bitterness. But the Bible refers to the root of the righteous. Don't you think it's time now to uproot that root of bitterness? 
Not one amen. Don't know how angry they made me this week. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to forgive. Family, let me tell you something. I've shared this before. The church was three weeks old when God spoke to me and said, you as a pastor can take a whole church to hell. Can you imagine if I take a whole church to hell through my preaching, my special place in hell? So I hope you are praying for me. But by the grace of God, if I continue to preach righteousness, so I'm going to up the level of righteousness preaching, salvation preaching, living right, letting go of offenses. Because remember, I must give account for all of you sitting here. I have to give account for what I've been preaching. So if you stand before God, you're not going to stand next to me. I'm going to give account on my own for all of you. My son, why didn't you warn them and tell them to let go of their offenses? Have a heart that is quick to forgive. But like I will stand alone, you're going to stand alone. And you're going to have no excuse. No excuse. Because we're going to preach the truth to you by the grace of God. Amen? And if you don't like the truth, then suppose you can go to another church where they can tickle your ears. But if you want to go on a path of sanctification, by the grace of God, we will continue to preach it to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, hold on. The word of God will cut you. The good news is, it cuts the pastor first. And then he comes to cut you. <laughs> Are you happy with that? Amen. Yes, God challenges me. And I often think about that. What I teach you can take you to hell. I can point you in the direction of heaven and say, here's the way. Here's a more excellent way. And may God continue to help us that we may preach spirit and life to everybody. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 22. Everybody today wants to reap, but nobody has planted. They want to reap. They want a big harvest. So now they haven't planted. Now they try and take somebody else's harvest. Look at this. Sacrificial giving here. True blessing comes from giving. And even when God has given you a promise and that promise is manifested, God will still come and test and see if you love Him more than anything else. Family, listen to me. Here's the secret. When you plant in love, you'll reap in love. But if you plant bitterly, unforgiving, grudgingly, You'll reap it like that. Imagine now you come, the principle is sow and reap. So now you plant. Hmm. Let me just plant this. Hmm. There. Imagine now God comes from heaven and he says, okay, you want this? You planted this. Okay, great. There. <laughs> How are you going to feel? Oh my God, God, no, please. Let me just do it over, Lord. Hello? But if your heart is full of love for God, then you can give in love. Here the Lord came to Abraham. He said, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. 
and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Have you said, here I am when God called you? Then he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love. I mean, I'm sure God is saying to him, listen, I just want to make sure what I'm asking you. Don't get confused between Isaac and Ishmael. That you want to give maybe that which is not part of the covenant, not part of the promise. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love. All that God wanted to see is whether he loves God more than Isaac. You know as a parent how easy it is to put your children above everything. Just be honest. He said, I want you to take your son, your only son, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. He was actually saying to him, I want you to make a sacrifice. Not any giving, sacrificial giving. Why? Because sacrificial giving honors God more than anything else. Look here. Verse 5. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkeys. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. The Lord said, Sacrifice. Abraham saw it as part of his worship. He says, Whatever I have to give to the Lord, whatever sacrifice I have to make, I love God above everything. It becomes part of my worship. Abraham knew he could only give to God what God had given to him. Abraham knew that if God has given you a promise, whatever God asked of you, he knew what would follow. He knew that if he planted in love, he would reap in love. The Bible teaches us that he said he counted it worthy. He said knowing that even if he had to sacrifice and kill his son, that he knew God could raise him from the dead. Because remember, he had an encounter with Melchizedek, where Melchizedek took out bread and wine and explained the gospel to him that one will have to die and one will have to be made alive. Then he said, I'm making a covenant with you, Abraham. What did he do with Abraham? He said, Abraham, I know that you're a man and that you can fail, but God cannot fail. Remember, and he let Abraham sleep. And then he made the covenant with himself. The promise and to your seed, capital letter S, is Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you have a promise from God, it's yea and amen. Amen? amen. amen. So whatever God asks of you to give, even if though it seems like a sacrifice from the natural, even if God himself calls it a sacrifice, when you know it's something that's come from God, you can give it to God as part of your worship. And Abraham became the father of faith. Because the only proof of our faith is our obedience. When you're obedient to God, you are busy worshiping him, exalting him, magnifying him. So people say, I don't have anything to give. God came to Abram and said, your only son. This one thing that you have, that's what I want. Not all the, just this one thing. 
The essence of true worship is giving to God what you value most. Can you give to God what you value most? Now we're talking love. Remember, Peter came to Jesus. Jesus said to him, do you love me? Do you agape me? Do you love me more than any of these things unconditionally? Peter said, Lord, you know I phileo you. I love you as a friend. If you're a friend to me, I'm a friend to you. Do you love me more than the, any of these, all of these? It's an issue about love when it comes to giving. Giving what your life depends upon. Remember the widow in 1 Kings 17. What did the man of God say to her? She said, we've only got this little bit left. She says, okay, that's fine. Give it to me. Come. She gave what her life depended upon. That was the very thing that released the miracle in her life. Turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians 6 verse 17. You know what's the heart sore thing that I sometimes realize? Many people have come to this church and they've been liberated. They're not under guilt and condemnation when it comes to giving anymore. You were put under pressure, under guilt, condemnation where you came from. Now that you have been liberated, you're a worst giver. You're a worst giver because you're just comfortable here. Oh, grace, 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 grace. No, the sacrifice of praise still applies. We're going there. God wants to take us to a new level. What have you planted so that you can have a harvest at a new level? Most people only think I can give out of abundance. The widow with the two mites, she gave what her life depended upon. Galatians 6 verse 6. Let me tell you something. Do you know why we don't take up offerings in the church like most other churches? Because when we moved into this hall in 2006, 2006, 13 years ago, that the Lord had given me a lot of revelation about sowing and giving and everything in the Bible. And then the Lord said to me, I've given you this revelation and I know you can share it, but do you trust me? I say, yes, Lord. He said, okay, don't take up any offerings anymore. Put the baskets at the back and trust me then. Not when we were this amount of people, when we were 50 people, between less than 100 people. Obedience. Because you think, how can a small church at that age do something like that? Most of the pastors, when I told them that, they looked at me, you're crazy. Many pastors have done it now after they've built their buildings. But when you just moved into a school hall, it takes faith to honor God in that way. Hello? Then we just put the baskets at the back. We sent the baskets through now for security reasons. And look what God has done today. Galatians 6 verse 6. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do you know what that means? means if your life is blessed here through the word that gets teached to you, be a blessing back. That's the principle. The man under Christian instruction should be willing to contribute towards the livelihood of his teacher. Go to verse 7. Don't be under any illusion. Don't be under any illusion. The New King James says, don't be deceived. You cannot make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life 
depend entirely on what he sows. Man's entire life is based upon the seed that he has sown. Yes, the enemy will come and try and sow some bad weeds. And then you have to deal with it. Sometimes you cannot uproot all of it immediately because then you uproot the good seed as well. You have to let it grow and then you take it out at the right time. Certain things you can remove very quickly. But a man's entire life is based upon the seed that he has sown. If he sows for his own lower nature, his harvest will be the decay and death of his nature. So if you sow after the flesh, you're going to have a fleshly harvest. So many people have been giving and they say it doesn't work, God has not blessed me. But you've given in a fleshly way. Hello? Do you think you can mock God? No. Go on. If he sows, but if he sows for the spirit, he will reap the harvest of the everlasting life by that spirit. The book of Corinthians says, if you read our tithing envelopes, when you plant, when you give with the right attitude, it increases the fruits of your righteousness. Does not make you righteous. It increases the fruit of your righteousness. Righteousness is the thing that produces miracles. That's when you sow in tears and you reap with joy. You are sowing a miracle seed. David had it in his heart to build God a house. God didn't tell him to do it. He had a desire. He was busy building his own house. And he said, God should have a house. That action in righteousness has impacted generations to come. Because God made a covenant with him, the Davidic covenant. God said, if you build my house, I will build your house. Go read the book of Kings, the book of Chronicles. Then you see, this one became king. And he was wicked and he was evil and he did everything wrong. But because of my servant, David. What does the Bible say in the book of Psalm 37 verse 19? That when you plant the right seeds, the right kind of seeds, it affects generations to come. Never seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. Your righteous actions now will have an impact on your children one day. But in the same way, your unrighteous actions and deeds will also have an impact upon your children. The seeds that you plant today, that you are planting today, creates a good future for you but if he let us not grow tired of doing good for unless we throw in our hand the ultimate harvest is assured turn to the person next to you and say have patience tell them again say have patience family if you've been planting good seeds there's going to be a good harvest if you've been planting good seeds there's going to be a good harvest just remain patience Patience is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The farmer that plants the seed doesn't go and dig it up and say, no, no, really plant the seed. No, no, no. Leave it. Let God do His part and you do your part. The last verse. Let us then do good to all men as the opportunity offers, especially to those who belong to the Christian household. Family, we are supposed to look out for one another. Amen? We are here to help one another. The burden in the church is not just Belinda and my burden. 
it's everybody's burden because we are one body. Amen? I was thinking this week about when God said, whether by many or by few, I'm going to do it. Many has taken that and said, you know what? God's going to do it in any case. Let's see if it's going to be by many or by few. But God wants you to be a part of that. Amen? Have you made a decision to give with all your heart? To love God with all your heart? Remember, today is for planting. Tomorrow is for reaping. So if you want to change your future, be very careful of the seed you plant today. Somebody that's been planting seeds, even when you find yourself in a difficult time, you'll find yourself on a solid rock because you know you've planted good seeds. Giving, when done in humility and sincerity of heart, makes us more like God, who gives to everybody liberally without expecting anything back. Can you give with a heart that loves God without expecting anything back? Because most people, if they are honest, when they give, they're giving to get. Because that's what we've been taught, and that's the principle. God, when He gave Jesus, had no guarantee that any of us would respond to Him. But He gave in love, so He could reap in love. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. He died. That seed was planted in righteousness. Because it was planted in righteousness, it started to grow in righteousness. Turn to the person next to you and ask them, what kind of seeds have you been planting? Mark 12 verse 38, the widow gave two cents. And we can very easily say, one day when I have abundance, I'm going to give. One day when I'm strong, I will start to help. And that very thing is the thing the enemy will use against you to keep you back because you don't take action. That widow gave the two cents. What does that teach us? It teaches us it doesn't matter how much you give, but the way that you give. When you give, give with all your heart as if your life depends upon it. She gave what her life depended upon. She showed what is real faith. That sacrificial giving is the thing that honors God. David said in 2 Samuel 24 verse 24, I will not offer anything to the Lord that costs me nothing. What you are giving, is it costing you nothing? There was a lot of people that gave out of abundance, but they gave from a place of comfort. She gave two coins, but with all her heart, and she's mentioned till today. Ask Joseph. He'll tell you what God has given you and placed in your hand is the very thing that will bring breakthrough. Family, listen to me. Joseph was as faithful with what God entrusted to him in the prison as what he was in the palace. He didn't say, I'm bound in the prison. I cannot use that which God has given me. When he was in prison said, let me use it to the best of my ability. And a man's gift will bring him before kings. Makes room for you. Proverbs 18. 
What have you been doing with what God has entrusted in your hand? You know what it means? If you look at the word at 1 Kings 17, what you have in your hand is the very thing that God will use to bring the breakthrough in your life. But you will say, I don't have. And that's the very thing that keeps you back for years. And then you say, why God? Why God? I have the promise. Why God? But what have you been planting? What kind of seed have you been sowing? If you need breakthrough in a certain area in your life, and you know of five people that have the same breakthrough, start praying for those people. Can I tell you a secret? I very scarcely, almost never, pray for myself for a sermon like today to preach. I never do it. But you know what I do? I have the picture of all pastors that I know at the office and in my prayer room at home. And I pray for them. Lord, I call them by their names, with their pictures and their names. Lord, help them. When they preach today, Lord, touch their voice that people will hear your voice upon their voice, Lord. Anoint them, Father. Empower them, Lord. Keep them healthy. Keep them strong, Lord. Use them in... And I pray for all those men because I'm planting those seeds and I'm having a harvest. Amen? Amen. What you make happen for others, God will make those things happen for you. The breakthrough that you need, see what is in your hand. And God will use that very thing to take you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Am I helping some of you here? So what you want in your life, go find. If you're trusting God for a child, find out who is trusting God for a child and start praying for those people. No, no, no. Give it to me first, Lord. Me, me, me. It's more blessed to give than to receive. This woman gave with unlimited love, unlimited faith. That was her next meal. God was aware of her way of giving with all her heart. Let me close. 2 Corinthians 9. Can I just say this? When we give, all giving must be done in humility and sincerity of heart. What does that mean? It means you honor God more than what you honor yourself when it comes to giving. We honor God more than ourselves. This woman gave two, two cents. There's another story in the Bible where a woman came with a whole year's salary. Remember the alabaster jar full of fragrant perfume. The Bible says it was 300 denarii's worth of perfume. One day's wage, wages for one day was one denarii. That means 300 denarii was a year's wages. In that bottle when she came to Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? The Bible says when she approached Jesus, she came from behind. She didn't even face him face to face. That's the attitude that she came in from behind. To pour it out on his feet. What did Judas say? With all the greed in his heart. Hmm. Why has this been wasted in this way? Shouldn't this be given to the poor? 
But we know who the poor was. It was Judas poor. <laughs> or poor Judas. <laughs> because the Bible teaches that he was dipping his hand into the money box. In his heart, he wanted it for himself. She came from behind and gave a year's salary in humility and sincerity. Jesus said, she's done this for the burial that lies ahead. She's come to honor me. Don't rebuke her. She's come to anoint me for the challenges that await me. She's busy doing a very good thing. Most people today in churches, if they had to come give their year's salary, they'd want an announcement. Pastor, I've come. Just something small. I want to give glory to God, but let everybody just see. I've, I've come to bring a year's salary. Hallelujah, Jesus. Where can I give it? Is there big enough? Can you just make a bigger offering basket that I can just give what I have to give? And people honor themselves more than what they honor God. But when you know that that which you are giving comes from God, and you know you are just giving back to God what He has given to you, you do it in humility and sincerity of heart. If I use Ntatimofa King's car, he says, you can use it, you can drive with it. Now when I come back, I say, thank you, here's your car. Do I come and say, hmm, just want to tell you, I'm giving you a car. Here's a car for you, okay? You can use this car from now on. You can use this car. Be blessed. Enjoy your car. You think, are you crazy? It's my car. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Hello? But that's what we do with God. Am I helping some of you? And God's not looking at, from the natural point, we want to see what we are giving, the, how big it is. But God is looking at your heart. Are you giving this in love and humility of heart? Sometimes we give loving this more than what we are giving. Such a sacrifice. Remember Lot's wife said, move out and don't look back. Sometimes when God is taking us in a direction... They say, yes, I'll go do what you want me to do, Lord, and move in this direction. Just want to look back, see what I'm giving up, my house, my friends, my family. And you turn into a salt pillar. And what God wants to do in your life, now you're stuck. Because you're looking back there. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, start sowing seeds of compassion. Seeds of forgiveness. Seeds of love, seeds of goodness. Don't stay angry with people. Don't stay offended with people. It will affect everything in your life. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, 
not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Many people don't help others because they're offended. When you're offended, when your enemy is in need, you'll close your hand. Very quiet now. Christians are battling just to help Christians. Some people have left the church offended. Now they come to this church. Now there's a building project. They're offended with the previous church, and now they don't give in this project. You don't know what they did to me. Forgive them. Do you know what people did to Jesus? Jesus said, Father, I forgive them. He was talking about the offended and the offenders. We all need forgiveness. Make a decision to give with all your heart. Out of humility and sincerity of heart. David said, I will not give anything that costs me nothing. Sacrificial giving is the one thing that honors God above all things. Are you prepared to change your heart attitude when it comes to giving? Can you help that person that's wronged you? I've been writing tests like that. Remember, if you're writing the test, remember the pastor's writing the same test. My test might even be more difficult than yours. Hello? Don't you the person next to you say, I'm going to pray for the pastor. I'm going to pray for his wife. Because I've just realized, if this is my test, what must these two people of God be going through? We all need a harvest. We all need a harvest. But the kind of seeds that you sow determine your harvest. I'm going to close with this. When we started the church, when we started the church, I had been in two churches, but for six months I didn't go to any church. And I just invited close friends and relatives to come to the church. When people came from the other church, I said, no, no, please don't come. After a year, one elder said to me, if some of those people want to come and God are leading them, let them come. But I never split a church in my entire life. I never went into a church and took people out of a church. I never planted that kind of seeds. Many churches are being split over and over and over because that's the seed that was planted. Even when people have tried to split the church, here, I don't fight with them one word. I just go into my prayer room and I go on my knees and I say, Father, I've never planted this kind of seed to split a church. Fight for me. Fight for me. I cannot have this harvest, Lord. I didn't plant the seed. Fight for me. And I continue to plant those righteous seeds. That's why I have all confidence with the church. When God started this church... I saw a vision of a candle being lit. I said, Lord, if you have put a light in this church, you will have to put it out. But I know God will not put that out. Even if man starts to, cannot go out. But we have to walk in the light of our testimony and continue to plant good seeds. So he never plants those bad kind of seeds to speak about other people. 
and God is his shield and his protection. If you love God and you love people, you will not defile a brother or a sister. If you love the work of God, you will not talk about men of God, even when they do funny and strange things. Listen to me. You still have to finish your race. God might have placed a calling upon your life and wants to put you in ministry. But now if you start planting these wrong kind of seeds, you are hindering your own future. Am I helping some of you? Because we talk a lot about men of God. We, we, even if we don't want to, we're on all these little groups and we've got the Google alerts. Men of God, pastor, weird, funny, strange, and you get all these things. Hello? Hey, did you see this? Don't be caught into things of the flesh to start to plant seeds after the flesh because then you'll have a fleshly harvest. Let's continue to plant seeds in the spirit, seeds of righteousness. Amen? We want to preach righteousness. We want to be one with the difference. People that will lay down their lives. So I'm challenging all of you. Go here. What is it that you have to do before we move in there? When you're obedient and you do that in humility and sincerity of heart, it honors God more than anything else. And through that, we change our future. When you build God's house, God will build your house. As a matter of fact, there's three promises that God gives David. I'll share that with you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.